I'm going to go ahead and read the, the whole section again. Uh, again, we're gonna, I'm going to quickly review what we did last week, and then we're going to finish this up. Uh, but we're going to really start in verse 23. Uh, that's where we're going to pick up from last week. But I'm going to go back to verse 19 and read to the end of chapter 3. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our hearts before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence. I'm sorry, if our heart does condemn no. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Verse 23. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. And so we've spent several weeks talking about love. We've defined it, what it is, what it's not, what the culture says it is. Um, some of the questions we looked at last week, we'll start with number one. Now, I went and filled these in for you because we've already covered this. What does our love reveal? That was verse 19. First, it reveals that we are of the truth, right? Our, our love for fellow believers is evidence that we belong to Jesus, that we've been united to Christ. Secondly, it reveals a reason for our assurance, right? I mean, when you, when you look at your life and others look at your life and they say, wow, I mean, they're saying you are, you are loving the body the way Christ has loved you, it's evidence that you belong to the king and it should give you assurance, right? I mean, when we see that fruit, it should give us assurance that we have a relationship with God. If we don't see fruit consistently, then we should not have assurance, right? The second thing was this. This is the second question that we looked at last week from verse 20. What about when we don't love? Because are we going to love perfectly all the time? We're not. And so I think sometimes when we don't love, maybe the Lord gave you an opportunity to love a fellow believer and you didn't take advantage of it. And your conscience is pricked and you're convicted and maybe you're telling yourself, maybe I'm not right with God. Well, what do we do in those moments when we don't love? We move our focus, right? Because what do we learn in verse 20? For whenever our heart condemns us, which it will, but is our, is our heart the final authority? Of course not, right? For whenever our heart condemns us, in the cases when we don't love, right, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. So change your focus, right, from your heart to the one who made your heart, right, the one who gave you a new heart. Look to the Lord who knows everything because his judgment matters most, amen? And he knows everything and he knows those who belong to him. So move your focus and then we picked up verses 21 to 24. What else does our love reveal? A, our confidence before God. That was verse 21. B, our confidence in prayer, verse 22. And now we're going to pick up with C, what else does our love reveal? Our allegiance and obedience to the king. And that's verse 23. Those who practice Christ-like love in the church reveal their commitment to the king. We show our commitment to King Jesus when we love each other the way he loved us. Amen? Because we're obeying the king, right? I mean, the, the king has given us his word. He's told us, you are to love each other the way I've loved you. And when we do that, we are showing our commitment to the king, right? If we don't do that, we're saying, well, I don't really care what the king says. I'm going to do what I want to do. But when we do what the king says, we show our commitment to the king that his word takes priority. So verse 23, and this is his commandment. This is, this is such a cool verse. And I, I, I touched on this last week before I prayed us out. 
but let, just tell me what stands out here. And this is his commandment. Is that singular or plural? Commandment. Singular. And this is what's interesting. And this is his commandment. Singular. But then he gives two commands. That we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. That's interesting. Why would he do that? Why would he not say commands? Why does he group these things together? Faith in Christ and love for fellow believers. Now, there's several things I want to note here. And I put them in your hand. I added this yesterday. One commandment followed by two inseparable actions, meaning these two actions belong together. Wherever you have one, you should have the other. Okay, But then we have to notice the order of the actions. What comes first? Faith, belief, right? And then the third thing is the repetition of commandment. Again, repetition denotes what? Importance or emphasis, okay? So let's take these one at a time. Three things here. First, one commandment followed by two inseparable actions. What does John place beside faith in Jesus Christ? Love for one another, right? Isn't that interesting? So he groups the two together, faith and love under one commandment. Isn't that interesting? And here's why I believe this is the case. We cannot separate faith in Christ and love for one another, right? The, the latter flows out of the first. If you have faith in Christ, you will love your fellow believers, right? Those who trust in Jesus love his bride, amen? I mean, no one can say, oh, I sure love Jesus, but I really hate the church. No, if you trust in Jesus and he's your king, you're going to love his people, amen? Secondly, we must notice what comes before the commandment to love. Now, again, the emphasis in chapter 3 is love. But love comes from what? What precedes our love? We're not saved by our love. We're saved to love. We're saved by or justified by faith, right? So faith in Jesus. That is the starting place. Everything else flows from faith. It's, it's our union with Christ that enables us to do what? To love, to love. So, I love this. John connects orthodoxy, which is right belief, with orthopraxis, which is right living. Both are important, but you got to start with orthodoxy, right? Faith comes first, but then what flows out of that is right living, namely here, love. Again, the order is important for understanding justification. Man, this is where you know, I've done a lot of membership interviews, even before I came here to Kelty's. And, you know, you walk through the gospel with those who want to be a part of the church. And oftentimes when I've asked, hey, can you can you walk me through the gospel, the good news, what Jesus did and how one can become a, a follower of Christ? And oftentimes, not oftentimes, but sometimes the emphasis is on what they do rather than faith in what he did, right? Are both important? Yes, but what's the starting place? Faith. And then what comes out of that faith is love or a life of obedience to King Jesus. So, again, we're not saved by our love, but we are saved to love. And that's, can't say that enough, right? In fact, our love authenticates our faith. Amen? It authenticates. It substantiates our faith. In, in these, And I thought it was good and helpful to look beyond First John to see that John in the Gospel of John also supports these two things, right? The importance of faith and love, but the priority of faith, but what flows out of faith is 
love. So for union with Christ, right, faith in Christ, being connected to Christ by faith as that which enables our love for each other, see John 15, verse 4. So go to John 15, 4. This is the I am the vine, you are the branches, right, John 15. But verse 4, I'll give you a moment to turn there. We're going to look at two passages in John, and then we'll come back to 1 John. So John 15, 4, abide, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Now, what is the fruit here? What is the fruit that follows our abiding in Christ by faith? Love. We cannot love one another the way Christ has loved us unless we are first connected to who? Christ. He is the source of our power or strength to love. Okay? And then for love as the authentication of our faith, let's go to John 13, 34. So now we're going to talk about love as the authentication of our faith. John 13, 34. It says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples. Okay, what is it? If you what? If you have love for one another. How do we show that we belong to Jesus, that we're his? By our our love. Now, does our love save us? No, it's the evidence that we are saved. It's the evidence that we do belong to Jesus. It's really important. So the third thing is this in verse 23 is the repetition of commandment. The word for commandment used by John is intoli. It's a Greek word, intoli. It refers to that which has weight, that which is authoritatively commanded. What gives these commandments weight? They come from The Lord, they, they come from God, right? Amen. So John is here highlighting biblical authority. These are the king's words, and he's reminding us of that, right? So listen again to verse 23, and this is his commandment. Oh, whose commandment? This is the Lord's commandment. Okay, your ears should perk up. Oh, wow, this is, you know, this is not just Pastor Chris or Pastor Aaron saying this. This is the Lord saying this. This is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. Did you see the repetition? Why does he do that? It's as, if, it's as if John is saying, and this is his commandment, that we believe in Jesus and love one another. And by the way, don't forget, he commanded this. <laughs> right? I mean, so you better what? You better listen. You better do it. You better do it. Trusting in Jesus and loving one another are the king's orders, and they mark us out as the king's people. Okay? we know that we belong to the king? Well, the first thing is this, faith. Faith in Christ. But what's the other evidence? Love for each other, right? Are you obeying the king today? Are you trusting him and are you loving fellow believers? Now, I'm going to spend a lot of time at the end. And I, I did this last night. I thought about this. I thought, man, I want to... I feel like we've covered this large section in First John on love. And we have spent a lot of time talking about what this looks like in practice but I, I keep going back to 1 John 2, 6, which says, if you claim to abide in Christ, you must live as he lived, right? And so, who is our example for this kind of love? Christ. So where should we go if we're going to look at practically how this love is lived out? I said we go to the Gospels. So I want to point out eight things, and we're not there yet, in the Gospel of Mark, ways that we can imitate Christ's love in our own lives. We're not there yet. 
Another question. The last question. Actually, it's not the last question. Oh, one more? Yes, I have one more. What else does our Christ-like love in the church reveal? This is D, our union with the king. This is verse 24. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God and God in him. Okay, that, that language of abiding, we've already seen that. We've seen it in first, or we've seen it in John 15, right? It means to be in Christ, to belong to him, to have trusted in him, to, to be united to him. So whoever keeps his commandments shows that they abide in him. They've been united to him. Our love for one another is evidence that we belong to God, that we've been united to God. Verse 19, this is the start of the passage. By this we shall know that we are of the truth. How do we know that we're of the truth? Through our what? Through our love. An apple tree is marked by pear tree, Christian, their love, right? I mean... Sadly, we had apple trees for two years. We got one apple, and it was about the size of a walnut. I don't know what I did wrong. And then they all died this summer. I was like, man, our parents have done okay. But, yeah, so again, you would never know. What, what kind of tree is that? I don't see any apples. Uh, our pear tree, obviously, there's pears. But a, a Christian should be marked consistently and faithfully by love, yes, for Jesus, but also love for fellow believers. And that's the emphasis in this section in First John. So, again, John has been talking about a very specific commandment up to this point, one that followers of Jesus have had since the beginning of their faith in Christ. And that is what? The commandment to love each other the way Christ has loved us. All right, and then we have our final question, number four. How do we love? Because, I mean, that's really... <laughs> we can know that we know that we're called to do this, but we got to do it. How do we do it? How do we love? Is this just something that, we, do we have the inherent ability to love like Christ? No. And we don't. We need something supernatural, right? And that's the end of verse 24. And by this we know that he abides in us by the, by the Spirit whom he has given us. Okay. Now, the mention of the Spirit, I think, is an allusion back to Ezekiel 36, right? It's that promise that I'm going to give you a new heart. Put a new spirit in you. I'm going to move your heart of stone, give you a heart of flesh, and I'm going to put my spirit in you and move you to follow my commands. And if we were going to summarize the Decalogue, I mean, love God and love others, right? And so we need supernatural help to love each other. And who does God give us? He gives us the... He gives us himself. Oh, my goodness. He gives us himself. Is there a greater gift than that? No, of course not, right? Um, John relates... This is kind of funny. John relates two related things to our union with God, our obedience and the Spirit. Okay, so everybody say our obedience, okay, and the Spirit. I right, have to repeat more, but these two go together. Okay, so I have a point A and B for you. Our union with God is by the, the Spirit. I mean, who connects us to Jesus? It's the Spirit. That's 1 John 4.13. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit, the Spirit is the one who unites us to Christ. And then B, our obedience to God is by the Spirit. So the Spirit unites us to Christ. And now in Christ, we enjoy all these wonderful blessings. Amen? Adoption, forgiveness, new life, the promise of eternal life with God. But that same Spirit that unites us to Christ also empowers us to live a life of love. 
we love by the power of the Spirit. Listen to 1 John 4, 7. Whoever loves has been born of God. What is the evidence that you've been born of God? <coughs> by your love. And who's the one that brings the new birth about? It's the Spirit. So the new birth is by the Spirit and is evidenced by the fruit of the Spirit, namely our love. Here's the good news, friends. God graciously gives us who we need to live like the Son for the glory of God. He gives us the Spirit. Bam! Now, I've used this illustration before. I've mentioned that I like to vacuum. Even with my leg like I still vacuum. It's just really slow, but I just enjoy vacuuming. I really do. I don't know why. I like mowing. I feel like I'm mowing the carpet, okay? Come on over. Yes, seriously. And if you have wood to split, give me about a month. I love splitting wood. Um, a vacuum cleaner only works if it's plugged into a power source, right? If it's not plugged in, what's going to happen? Nothing. But once it's plugged in, it comes to life. And it functions the way it's supposed to, right? Once the Spirit of God unites us to the Son of God, we now have the power to love others in the church like the Son of God. Amen? But not until... We have the Spirit. All right, let me quickly review everything we've talked about today. Let me do that for us. And then we'll look at Mark a little bit. And that'll be pretty quick. What does our love reveal? These are the questions that we've answered the last two weeks together. Really starting from verse 19 to 24. What does our love reveal? It reveals that we belong to God. It reveals what? That we're His. That we belong to the truth. It reveals a reason for our assurance. What about when we don't love? We should move our focus. Remember the gospel. What God knows in his word carries more weight than our heart, right? There's going to be times where we don't love the way we should, and our, our heart's going to convict us. And, and maybe you're going to wonder, am I truly saved? Of course I am. God knows everything. He knows my heart. He's spoken what over my life? A new verdict. Because I've trusted in his son. I am now justified or innocent. I know that's true. What else does our love reveal? Our confidence before God, our confidence in prayer, our allegiance and obedience to the king, because what do the king's people do? They love like Christ. And so when you love others in the church like Christ, it shows that your commitment is to Christ. And then what else does our love reveal? Our union with the king. How do we love? How do we do it? Just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps? No. How do we do it? By the, by the spirit who dwells within the people of God. I want to conclude this section with two questions, one for an unbeliever and one for the believer. Okay, so this is for the unbeliever. If you know somebody who's not a believer, I would ask them, have you experienced the love of Christ? Have you tasted and seen? Have you come to Jesus for true fulfillment, peace, and joy, forgiveness in a relationship with God? I love John 6, 35. What is Jesus saying? The bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger Whoever believes in me will never thirst. And if you're a believer, this question's for you. Is your life and the church you belong to Kelties marked by Christ-like love for others? How are you loving fellow believers today and always? How can I grow here? Hopefully you're not satisfied. Oh, I'm, I'm, I've met my quota. I'm good. No, I want to grow in my love for others in the church. And that's why I was thinking about this last night, and I, I finished it this morning, but I thought, you know, and, and I know Mark better than any gospel that I know. And I, I love John. I've lived in John. I've, I think I told you guys I've translated all of John from the Greek to English, which takes a little time, you know. But Mark, I've just, I love Mark. I've spent more time in Mark. 
And one of the main themes in Mark is discipleship. And let me tell you this. Love, Christ-like love for fellow believers happens in the context of discipleship relationships. It's men getting with men and helping them follow Jesus. It's women getting with women and helping them follow Jesus, praying with them, counseling them, helping them fight sin, holding them accountable. Okay, so I thought, well, that's a huge theme in Mark. Let's look at how Jesus does that. Let's look at how Jesus loves in Mark's gospel because we're called to imitate who? Christ. So here's eight things. And I'm going to actually go to Mark, and we're going to read these passages. And um, I think this will be helpful. So, number one, and again, I thought about 1 John 2, 6. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Where do we go to see how Jesus walked? The Gospels. We're going to hang out in Mark's Gospel. Eight ways to love like Christ from Mark. Number one, spend time with fellow disciples of Jesus. Spend time with believers. That is one of the best ways you can love a fellow believer is giving them your time. And what do we learn about what's what's the definition for love that we've kind of put together from First John? It is voluntarily and good, sacrificially, what? Pursuing the good of others for the glory of God. If you give your time, it's a what? It's a it's a sacrifice. Who gave their time? Who gave their life? Christ. So spend time with fellow disciples of Jesus. Mark 3, 14. Often overlooked, Jesus is calling the 12. He gives the reason for why he calls the 12. And verse 14 is easy to miss. Verse 14 says, And he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. Yes, and so that he might send them out, but he appointed them so that they might be with him. A relationship. Isn't that cool? He wanted to spend time with these boys, and he did for three years. That's the first way we can love like Christ is by spending time with fellow disciples of Jesus. Number two, make time for those in need. Make time for those in need in the church, right? That could be a sit down. That could be bringing a meal. That could be a phone call. But just make time for those in need. Um, and that's Mark 5, 21 to 24. I gave all of the references to you so you can go back and look at these. Um, it's one of the best passages in Mark. Right. This is Jairus and the, the woman with the issue of blood. But listen to the first, the first part. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet. And he implored him earnestly. He's begging, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. I mean, Jesus is in the midst of busy ministry. He could have said, hey, you know what, Jairus, I don't have time right now, but he made time for him, right? He made time for those in need. So if we love like Christ, we should make time for those in need. Amen? Number three, do ministry with fellow believers. Oh, man, that's so helpful. That, that is a great way to love a fellow believer is to get in the trenches of ministry with them, especially a new believer who's new to ministry. I, I don't know what to do here. You know what? I've been doing this for a while by God's grace. I'm going to come alongside you, and I'm going to show you, and I'm going to answer your questions, and I'm going to give you resources, and I'm going to help you serve. Wow, that's a great way to love a fellow believer. Mark 5, 37. Who are the three that Jesus often said, hey, come on, boys. Come on up the mountain. Come on into the garden and pray. Peter, James, and John. Again, we see it here. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, 
in John, the brother of James. Come on, boys, and see how it's done. <laughs> Number four, care for those in need. Care for those in need, okay? Don't just make time for them, but actually spend the time to care for those in need. Who did that faithfully, consistently? Jesus. And that's Mark 6, 56. And it says, Mark 6, 56, And wherever he came, in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment, and as many as touched it were made well. Number five, teach fellow believers the truth. How can we love those in the church well? Teach them the truth, amen? I mean, there's really no better gift you can give a fellow believer than the word of God. And so teach them the truth, and we see that Mark 8, 31. Let's turn there together, Mark 8, 31. And he began to teach them that. And this was hard, and sometimes it's hard truth, right? This is a hard truth. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again, Jesus is teaching them the gospel. This is why he came. So again, how can we love fellow believers by teaching them the what? The truth. Just a few more. Number six, help believers make war on personal sin. Again, this is going to require time, okay? But it's a willingness to come alongside fellow believers and help them fight sin. Who did that perfectly? Christ. I mean, that'll be your right answer every time tonight. Mark 9, 42 to 50. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it'd be greater for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. I mean, who needed to hear this? The disciples did, right? Is Jesus being mean? No, he's loving them. He's warning them. He's teaching them how to make war on sin. I mean, take extreme measures. Cut those things out. They're going to cause you to fall away. Number seven, gently correct fellow believers. Now, this is the passage where James and John, the sons of thunder, they come and they, again, have this idea that Jesus is going to ride into Jerusalem with a sword and, you know, destroy Rome and set up a physical kingdom. And, hey, Jesus, when you do that, can we have the places of honor to your right and left? And, you know, they're humbled by Jesus, obviously. But Jesus... He gently corrects them. Listen, this is uh, Mark chapter 10, 42 and 50. And this is really helpful. Is that right? Mark 10, yeah, 42 to 45. Sorry, 42 to 45. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever will be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slaves of all. Again, they're wanting these places of importance. And Jesus is saying, that's not who I am. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to do what? To serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So again, a great way to love fellow believers in the church is when they do make mistakes, which we all do when they do fall into sin, gently correct them with the, with the word. And then finally, pray with fellow believers, number eight, and model prayer before fellow believers. So, Pray with fellow believers and model prayer before fellow believers. And that's Mark 14, 32. And that says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And then he begins to teach on prayer as well. And actually, uh, spoiler alert, for man camp, I'm going to be doing prayer. That's the theme. And I've decided for Sunday to preach on prayer. Not one of my sermons for man camp, but actually Mark 14. Typically, when I do man camp, I, I like to 
carry that theme over to Sunday. And then we'll get back into John 4 next week. So, yeah. But all of these things that we just looked at, all eight describe discipleship. These things, these ways that we can love fellow believers like Jesus take place in the context of discipleship, relationships, right? Which is, again, a big theme in Mark's gospel. And the last thing I wanted to point out, I came across this article, and I think I have enough copies for everyone. And it's 11 ways Christians can love one another. It was written by a guy named Kevin DeYoung. And uh, really helpful. Um, I'm not going to read this to you, but if you would like this, I think it's worth your time. I mean, this will take you maybe five minutes to work through, but 11 ways that we can love one another as Christians. Father, we thank you for your word and the reminders in your word that your people are not only called to love each other the way you love us, we're thankful for your example, but we're empowered to love each other the way you love us, by the spirit that you give us. And as my brother said, I mean, we need to get along, and we can get along. And I pray that we would think about the implications of that for the world around us, that the world would see a changed church, a spirit-filled church, a church that loves its members the way Christ has loved us, and that you would use our witness to draw many to the Savior. Father, help us to think of ways that we can love fellow believers this week with our time, with the gifts that you've given us, even when it's hard and uncomfortable. I pray that we'd be willing to spend our lives for the good of your people. Father, convict us when we don't do that, and again, empower us by your Spirit to do that. So Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take what we heard tonight from your word and apply it to our hearts and if anything was said tonight that is not in line with your word, may it fall upon deaf ears. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.